Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. Um, I've got an interesting show in store for us today um, with a wonderful guest who I personally know, local uh, uh fellow entrepreneur and, and business owner who uh, I will bring on board in just a moment. Um, but first, of course, we have our quotes of the day uh, from Mike Dooley in the universe and from Abraham. Let's get started with that. Ooh, already loyal listener, Patty, giving me lots of love here on, on the Facebook Live. Thank you, Patty. Uh, good. You're having a good day. You, you still out in Tucson? I'm sure you're still out in Tucson. All right, let's get started. Uh, first, from the universe. Okay, for just five minutes, forget the bucks. Forget your soulmate, too. Forget the new car, the home run, and being on Oprah. Forget your fears, your problems, and your pain. And during those five minutes, feel the feelings you most want to feel for the rest of your life. It might seem awkward. That's okay. It might seem silly too, and I can just about guarantee at first it'll feel utterly futile until your entire life begins to change. If I were a beggar, I'd beg you. If I prayed in question marks, this is what I'd ask for. And if I could implore you to do anything, let this be it, because nothing else that you might ever do will have as profound an effect on your fortunes, friendships, and happiness in navigating the illusions, manifesting what you want, and avoiding what you dread as this little five-minute drill performed just once a day on as many days as you can remember to do it. And just so you know, if you do this right now, or even every day for the rest of your life, I'll add back those five minutes to each of those days you do it to. I'll just sneak them in there and they'll feel like 10. Hosanna in the highest, the universe. Ah, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Having a, a wee bit of fun with us today, I think. Uh, but also reminding us that uh, spending some time, and you know, Mike Dooley's very big, on the visualization stuff. 
But here he's actually not just talking about visualization. He's talking about feeling the feelings we want to feel. And, and this is something that I think is very key because it's very easy for us to get a little bit too attached and a little bit too caught up in the thing that we want to create, that we want to manifest in life, that we want to bring to uh, into our world. And we often forget that sometimes, and, and look, I'm guilty of this as anyone else, but we often forget that Oh, the reason why we want the things, the reason why we want the new car, uh, we want the, the nice home, we want uh, the lasting friendships and, and the great career and job and business and whatever else is because of how it makes us feel. And, and what the universe is trying to remind us here is that it's the feeling that's more important than the thing itself. And indeed, if we allow ourselves to just feel what it is that we want to feel, like that's the whole purpose of it anyway, that it's all just an excuse to really help us to feel, I don't want to say better, uh, it's to, to really um, energetically vibrate or energetically uh, connect to ourselves in a way that serves us better. I, I, I try and stay away from these like, you know, positive and negative terms and, and, and the right versus wrong, because it's a very dualistic way of looking at things. And I really believe that everything is here to serve us. But um, in this case, what I believe the universe is trying to remind us, and this is something that Abraham not in this next quote, but in general, talks about a lot that it's all just an excuse to feel better. Because let's face it, what are we most attracted to? We're attracted to people who are fun, energetic, lively, full of life. And if we like being around those kinds of people, who do you think they're attracted to? People who are fun, energetic, and full of life. And so the more fun, energetic, and full of life we are, the more we're going to bring into us, into our lives, the very things that we want. And indeed, it's it not just bringing in those things, but the life experiences that we want and, and the joy that we want. And, and it's really all an excuse. You know, they say that really we don't have to let our happiness and our joy and our energy be subservient to what happens in the outside, in, 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 in what happens around us. It's all about what's inside of us. And, you know, often when I work with my clients, I usually, if they don't believe me, I say, look, just close your eyes for a minute. Think about a happy memory. Put yourself back in that situation. What clothes were you wearing? What kind of a day was it? What smells were there? What do you see? The colors and everything else. Now, how do you feel? And inevitably, they feel happy, joyful, amazing. But nothing on the outside shifted. It was completely an internal state shift. And that's why if we spend some time each and every day, we're programming our minds, our nervous systems, our bodies to feel better. And when we feel better, we're more empowered. We're able to do more, create more, and we're more likely to bring to us the very things we desire. 
So uh, this is such an important exercise and I can't say that I do it every day, but I do know that when I do do it, just the rest of the day feels so good. So I would implore you to listen to the universe today. Just spend that five minutes, you know, maybe, you know, before you get out of the shower in the morning or before you start turning on the computer and getting on the phone calls before you eat breakfast or you know, whenever you can sneak it in, or maybe at the end of the day, wherever you can sneak it into your day, just spending that little bit of time to visualize how it is you want to feel can really make a big difference. Awesome. All right. Great quote from the universe today. Let's see what Abraham has in store for us. This one's a little bit shorter. It's not your work to make anything happen. It's your work to dream it and let it happen. Law of attraction will make it happen. In your joy, you create something, and then you maintain your vibrational harmony with it, and the universe must find a way to bring it about. It's the promise of the law of attraction, Abraham. So, obviously, two very much in alignment quotes today. And, and again, what Abraham is saying is it's not about doing the work. Now, again, this is not to say that you shouldn't do any work. It's not to say that, you know, action does not help. But what Abraham often says is that it is our alignment, energetic alignment to the very thing we want to bring into our lives, that when we do that first, then our actions are so much more potent. And then the ease with which we bring things in is so much better. And again, it goes back to the first quote about, you know, just visualizing how we want to feel and that feelings is what the universe really reads in us. It's what people feel around us. It's what, you know, for those of you who know, like I'm really into quantum physics and, and on a, on a very base level below the molecules, below the atoms, what are we made up of? It's all energy. That's what Einstein's famous quote, E equals MC squared. That's what it's all about. Energy equals matter, which means that we are energy made manifest in this material world. And if we are energy, everything is energy around us, just condensed different ways to look differently, then it's our energy that's so important. So it's our energy that we need to pay attention to. And that's what both of these quotes are all about. It's all about our energy. So I I hope that you really take this in today and, and not just take it in, but utilize it. How can this idea of lining up with the feeling and paying attention to the feeling and help you in what you want to create in your life. Okay, so two wonderful, amazing quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe and from Abraham. They're they're always so wonderful for setting the tone uh, for the show. And and now it is my pleasure um, to introduce to you Diane DeRester. And Diane is a workplace communications and public speaking expert. Diane is a media trainer and executive speech coach and certified speech pathologist who works with executives in Fortune 500 companies, celebrities, 
and sports figures to get them communicating with clarity and precision. She's no slouch, okay? She trains business people to communicate with greater impact in the marketplace and coaches leaders to project their power to influence in order to achieve the results we want. They want. She's also the author of the Amazon best-selling guide to public speaking and communicating called Knockout Presentations, How to Deliver Your Message with Power, Punch, and Pizzazz. She's coached and consulted a vast number and a wide range of clients, including executives at AT AT&T, Chase uh, Bank, Warner Brothers, the U.S. Army, the NBA, Merck, and IBM. And it is my pleasure to welcome my friend, Diane DeResta, to the show today. Welcome, Diane, to the Conscious Consultant Hour. Thank you, Sam. And I love your music. That made me feel good. <laughs> it's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, if you're going to be have a show called The Conscious Consultant Hour, you got to have good perfect. music, right? <laughs> Wonderful. So um, you're a certified speech pathologist. So I'm curious, have you always had like a, 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 a drive or an interest about speech and speaking? I mean, is this something that's always been a part of your life or is this something you know, that you developed a little bit later? It's funny that you say that because my first goal was to be a teacher and I was going to major in, in English because it was my favorite subject and teach it in high school. But there were no jobs at the time. And so I had to find a new career. So when I was in college, I took my first public speaking course, which was required. And I learned about speech pathology from a professor. So I checked it out and I liked it. And that's how that happened. But now when I go back over my past, I realized that as a child, I was correcting people's speech. And I think one of the reasons is, yeah, I'm sure it was really popular. Uh, One of the reasons was I grew up in a military family. So even though we're from Brooklyn, I lived in Germany twice, in North Carolina, Oklahoma, et cetera. So I didn't have a thick Brooklyn accent. So I would get compliments on my speech, but I would I also developed an ear. And I would hear certain sounds and I would correct them. So it's funny, the seeds were there. I just didn't realize. <laughs> ah, I see, I see. Um... So I... I still have my certification. I haven't practiced clinically for years, but that was my first career. So I worked in the Brooklyn schools for about eight years and then decided that there wasn't much of a career path in the Board of Education and went to work for a company that did stand-up presentations. And that was my foray into business. And then from there, I worked at Solomon Brothers as a management trainer and then as AVP, Assistant Vice President at Drexel Burnham for their Institutional Sales and Trading Training Program. And what was that? That meant I went on campuses and recruited MBAs for the trading floor. And so here's what I learned. I love the pace. I like the work I was doing. I like the money. I did not like the culture of Wall Street. So I left. And, and by the way, this is really important when you talk about consciousness and the conscious consultant. I found that most people are in the wrong jobs, not because of skill, but because of culture. It's not the right fit culturally. And so I realized that wasn't for me and started freelancing with the intention of finding a full-time training manager job. Now, as I was going, my intention, my consciousness was about finding a job. (laughs) And yet I would say, this suits my personality. I like doing this, but I didn't have the confidence. I didn't think I had enough experience. I didn't think I knew enough. 
And I'll credit my husband who would say, you know enough, you have enough experience. So to fast forward two years later, I'm offered a full-time training manager position. And my husband hears me on the phone at home and he said, you don't want that job. I said, what do you mean? You don't sound excited. What do you mean? He said, he's <laughs> going to offer you more money. And he did. <laughs> and I wow. still turned it down because that's when you know, when you were talking earlier about feeling and consciousness, to trust those feelings. So even though I was in the unknown zone, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no business courses at all. I turned this down because my heart wasn't in it. And so that was the deciding factor that I guess I'm in business for myself. All right, great, great. I want you to hold it there because we're going to take a quick break. Um, I agree that's a great spot for us to break on. But yeah, it's, it's funny because I, I also worked on Wall Street for about Eh, how long? Well, I was in financial services for about mm, six years. I think I worked on Wall Street for about three or four years. It's almost like a rite of passage in New York City, <laughs> at least back then. I, yes, you know, right. you had to have some job connected to the finance industry. Right. But, uh, I'm totally with you. I, I I loved. I was doing computer work and I was working with people and and I loved the work I was doing. But yes, I, I totally did not like the culture as well. So it's it's just kind of funny how. Uh, you know, when you pay attention to the things that are important to you, that uh, you end up taking a different path than you necessarily consciously think makes sense, right? Right. All right, wonderful. So uh, um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, let's start to, t I want to talk a little bit about, you know, th this idea of being a speech coach and starting your business and then sort of what you've learned over the years that really um, you find informs what you're doing today, right? Because a lot of people are, are, are saying like, oh, things are totally different today. You mm -hmm. have to be different. But we've also learned a lot in the process. So let's talk about sort of what we've learned and, and kind of apply it and then and work it into how we apply it to today. All right. Mm -hmm. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this live every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time right here on talkradio.nyc and all over Facebook Live. And we will be right back after this. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking today with Diane DeResta, an expert in speaking and communication. So, Diane, you, you, you figured out, I guess, relatively early on that, um, you know, you really thrived more being your own boss than, than working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And uh, how was it, what were the, like the first couple of years when you started doing this as a business, as opposed to a job, what were the challenges you, you had to overcome in the early days? Well, there were a lot of challenges because I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't totally committed because remember I was looking for that other full-time job, but uh, just getting basic supplies, knowing what my I did not know how I was differentiated, knowing what products I was going to sell. So here's how I started. I was a jack of all trades and an extra pair of hands for hire. So in the beginning, I would start with doing someone's sales training, doing someone's outplacement. So 
that's how I got my leg, so to speak. And then from there, I said, well, I don't really want to be freelance all the time. So what is my expertise? So for today, or as of today, my three areas of expertise are presentation, Mm-hmm. interpersonal communication and media training, and that's all under the umbrella of executive presence. That wasn't the case when I started, but I started to look at where am I putting most of my energy, and I started to consolidate, and I realized it was important to be streamlined rather than having all of these programs and being a, a, right. a training house, so to speak. Right. So those were some of the challenges. Finding good help, uh, accountants, lawyers, that still continues to be a challenge. Uh, good bookkeepers, mm-hmm. uh, setting up systems, all of that, uh, knowing how to find business. And I couldn't tell you of any system because I kind of just put one foot in front of the other. But today, it's I think it's even more challenging. There are some easier resources because we're so connected technologically. But on the other hand, it's, uh, the bar is very high now. So yes. when I first started, uh, it was easier. Now they have all of these big training companies, big coaching companies, mm-hmm. big learning management systems. And so it becomes harder for the individual or small business to compete there because sometimes they can come in and take the entire corporation and have an exclusive. So that becomes a little bit more challenging. You also have to know more technology today yes. in terms of the, the software and what it's doing. And then what happens is if something goes down, it'll bring you to your knees. Whereas before, mm. you know, you had a Rolodex. <laughs> That's how long <laughs> I've been in business. And it, a, a paper calendar it was a lot easier it was simpler so in some ways the technology has made life easier or more connected but in some ways it's also more complex yeah it's it's kind of like it's lowered the barrier to entry yes but then it's because the barrier to entry is lowered more people are doing more things so then the standards are higher so you have to do more you have to distinguish yourself more um you know you have to stand out from the crowd more because it's that much more crowded now because it's easier to get in. And that's another difference. The competition wasn't as extreme as it is today. Why? Because during the 90s, we had all of those layoffs. So what a lot of people did is they just put out a shingle. And so I've had people who were my clients who hired me who are now my competitors. So there, you know, you, and you have to keep on reinventing because the pace of life is so much faster now. And so what was true yesterday is obsolete today. Wow. And, and you know, it's interesting uh, that you say that in, in that, you know, because of all the layoffs in, in 2009 and uh, in 2008, 2000, uh, well, in, in the 90s, and then again in 2008, yeah. 2009. And now that's kind of one of the things I'm hearing from people is that, this is now another big push where many more people like the jobs are just not there. And so people have to find a way to be entrepreneurial in some fashion and kind of find a way to, to make money without working for someone else. And it was interesting. I had a conversation uh, with a friend of mine, uh, Cynthia, and she had said that like she'd been talking with a lot of thought leaders in the business world and that they had said like, they're like, and this was like a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, mm-hmm. that like 25 to 30% of people work for themselves and like 
uh, 70 to 75 percent of people worked for other people. And that, but over the next, they were saying like 10, 15, 20 years, that was going to shift to be like 75% of the people working for themselves and 25% working for, for other people. And, but like now with what's happened with the pandemic and everything, it, it, it's accelerated that thing. So it's going to happen in like a couple of years as opposed to a decade or two. Yes. And we already call it the gig economy. Right. Right. So you have places like Fiverr and, uh, is it Unsplash? There are all of these places where you can get or, freelancers yeah. to help. So in, in one way, that's very good. But uh, we just have to stay ahead of the curve and be current and figure out what's needed in the market. You know, the, the good news, though, is whenever you have any kind of downturn, there seems to be this other parallel path where people are starting up and they're coming up with innovative products. And you can have these young millionaires in a matter of years, whereas right other people who've had that traditional path, that's not really open as much anymore. Right. So we have to really change the way we've been doing business. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, lots of people point out how like some of the most innovative companies were started in recessions and in, in, in yeah. bad times because you have to think differently. I mean, so many of like the current uh, uh, big companies like Airbnb, Uber, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all those kind of, were all started in like 2007, 2008, 2009. And like Apple and Microsoft, they were all started in the, the, the 70s and 80s when the, there was an economic downturn. So uh, in some ways, it's like when things are more challenging, it almost pulls out of us more creativity that allows us to come up with something new that then turns into Something Absolutely. And, and that's the message of hope for everybody. I believe the game Monopoly was invented during the Great Depression and that's still is still selling. So, wow. yeah, I mean, and just to let people know, when you've been in business a number of years, I would say I've been through everything, every layoff, every uh, freeze on consultants, every recession, 9-11, Sandy, all of it. Yeah. But this is different. Different, so just different. when you think you've been through it all, there's some other thing. So I, I would say it's really important when, in terms of communication to be flexible. Yes. You've got to be able to adapt and to be flexible yeah. and to be resilient yes. and to, to plan for these. Now, I, I couldn't have planned. You couldn't have planned for this. Who, who knew? But mm-hmm. I would say the thing that's kept me in business so long is cash reserves. So mm-hmm. I know that if I have to, I can live off my savings not that I want to do that, but right. there are times when it's raining and you have to reach into that. So yes. I would encourage everybody Absolutely. to save. And, and I think this is like, in some ways I was seeing, personally, I was seeing like cycles speeding up of the up and down cycles I felt were really speeding up in society and that it was calling us to be more flexible, more adaptable, but... Mm-hmm we still kind of held on to like the old ways of doing things. And I think what the current situation is like preparing us is like, Mm. boom, it's like, you have to be flexible. You have to be adaptable just to survive. And personally, this is just my own sort Mm -hmm. of intuitive feeling. Like this isn't going to be our only challenge. That's going to totally change the way we do things. This is just the major one for this century, right? That's happened so far and that there's going to be more coming and more coming and they're going to be different things and they're going to be different kinds of challenges. And they're going to call us to just think differently and be 
able to pivot on a dime. And this is where being an entrepreneur and being a small business owner actually mm -hmm. works to our advantages yes. because larger companies have a much harder time. They're like this giant tanker that, you right, know, right. To, to, to turn them, it takes like days, you know, when you're on the ocean. But mm -hmm. if you're in a small little speedboat, you can turn much more quickly. Yes. And I don't think this is an accident. I think that this event Mm -hmm. is just like the industrial revolution it is moving humanity in a different way we are evolving whether good bad whatever and yeah. so let's think of it this way sam people wanted to work from home and their bosses would say no it doesn't work i need you here now they have to work for, from home and they're finding hey this does work so yeah. i really believe that we're going to have more of a hybrid I don't think we're going to go back to the old normal. Yes. We're going to have a hybrid and we are communicating differently. We didn't communicate this way. We had some yes. online communication, yes. but we have to show up differently. Right. Absolutely. And that's a great point. We need to take our next break. But when we come back, I want to talk about communication, since that's really your expertise. Mm -hmm. and, and what's different about communications today? And what do we need to be mindful of when we communicate with people in the current environment that's different than maybe what we were used to doing in the past? Okay, Diane? Mm -hmm. Sure. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. This hour, we're talking to Diane DiResta, a communications and public speaking expert, and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook Live all over the place. Um, we're talking this hour with Diane DiResta, a, a public speaking and communications expert. Um, so, Diane, you've been doing this for a while. <clears throat> And we were talking at the end of last segment about how things are really different now and calling us to be more flexible. Um, what, what's really changed when it comes to communications now, whether it's public speaking, executive communications, communicating with customers? What do we need to keep in mind that maybe is different than the way it was just you know, six, seven months ago? Well, I don't know about six or seven months, but I will tell you that the attention span has really shortened and uh, you know, they'll say a goldfish has an attention span of eight seconds and a human has an attention span of seven. You know, it's a joke, but it really isn't too far off. In fact, let's say you're doing video. I would say change the frame every four seconds. And how do I know that? I tested it because I have a short attention span. I'm easily bored. And I was watching a video and I noticed every time I was about to fast forward, it would flash and it would change. And I started to look and it was like about three or four seconds. So I said, wow, this is a good videographer because <laughs> they know their audience. So one thing is attention span. People are not going to wait for you to get to the point. And that's why I actually did a webinar on how to communicate more by saying less to get to the point. So you need to get their attention right away. There's so much more competition for space in people's minds that you got to have something compelling and lead with that more so than you ever did before. So that's one of the differences. The other thing is a lot of our 
communication is through text and email. And so now we have to have a digital body language because if you're not there visually, and we, we both know as communications people that your visual is like over 90% of the message. So with that gone, what are you communicating? So here's what's interesting with digital body language. You actually don't want anything too brief because brief means it's more complex. In other words, when I train people, when I coach them, it's get, I want sound bites, short pieces, uh, get to the point, really clear, crisp. If you're too crisp in an email, you don't get the context and there can be a lot of misunderstandings. So that's one of the things. And then there are styles. There are female communicators and male communicators. So for example, in an email that's very male, it gets to the point, it uses factual language, it doesn't use a lot of emojis. The females are more flowery. They'll use more niceties. You'll have more, uh, more emojis. So when I learned this, I said, you know, I think my style is pretty much male with a little female thrown in. So <laughs> it's, it's about that. It's about culture. If you're emailing someone from a culture outside the U.S., it's different. So I would say one of the things that everybody can do all the time is simply start with a greeting how are you? Because if you don't do that and you just get to the point with what I need is, it can sound curt, abrupt, or even commanding. So I have to remind myself sometimes, hi, how are you? Now, what I really need is. So those are some of the differences. We lose a lot of the communication meaning when we don't have the body language. Mm -hmm. Now, even when you do have the body language like we have now, it's a little bit different in how you show up in the virtual world on a virtual platform. So here's something that's ironic. You need to disconnect in order to connect on a virtual really? platform. So here's what I mean. Huh. Am I making eye contact with you right now? Uh, yeah. Okay. And I'm looking directly at the lens. So I see you down here, Sam. I know you're there. I cannot see your facial expression. I have to look like this. Now, if I do that, I'm not looking at you. So right. this is a real challenge and it's something we have to get used to. Now, broadcasters are great at this. And for years I've been saying, tomorrow's present presenters will need broadcasting skills. Well, tomorrow is here and we all need to master this medium. So it's about when you're speaking to somebody, look directly in the lens. When they're speaking, you can disengage and look, but keep coming back to the lens. So quick story. I was doing an event for my husband who needs a kidney. He, he's type O blood and we were doing a kidney awareness event on Zoom. And he had never done anything on Zoom or a virtual platform. So I got him my laptop and I had to explain, here's where you look. And he said, okay, yeah, yeah, I know. Look at the dot. And I said, right, the whole time you speak, I want you looking at that dot. So it's a, a learning curve. And even when people know that, it's uncomfortable. So when you said earlier about having to pivot, going out of your comfort zone, this is one example. Yeah. And, and it's something like I have to deal with all the time with doing the show because I have a big monitor over here. And so yeah. this makes it easy. And I have the, the, the laptop here and the camera is right there. So in order for me to like look at people, I have to look directly at the camera here and I'm not really seeing what's going on in the video. So it, it, it's kind of tricky. And then if I have to do something on the computer, I'm looking down, I'm looking away, and I'm trying to always come back. Yeah, um, so I saw somebody who is a speaker, and he had a video, and he was talking to other speakers, but his eyes were 
all over the place. And there are a lot of ums. So I would say, don't lose sight of the fundamentals because they're amplified when you're on a video and really important to stay consistent. So I, if I had been critiquing him, I would have said, stay grounded, mm. look directly at the lens, pause more and don't say as many ums because it affects right. how people perceive you. Right, right. Yes, and, and I know from my background in Toastmasters and doing mm -hmm. some public speaking, that paying attention to the ums, the you knows, are, is very important. And, and every now and then when I listen back to a show that I've done and I hear myself, not all the time, but once in a while I can tell, oh, there's a lot of ums here. Yeah, I was distracted. There was some problem mm -hmm. or something. And I was just like, oh, it like hurts my ears to listen to myself when I make But you know the good things. thing? With video, you can edit. <laughs> so if you're in a live meeting in a room, you can't edit yourself. But if you're going to send someone a video recording, you can edit out those ums. So that's the good news. Right. Um, I just did it again. So today, everybody is on Zoom. I mean, I'm on Zoom, I don't know, 20 to 30 hours a week, some weeks more, mm -hmm. some weeks less. What's different about communicating over Zoom or over whatever other video conference, whether it's Google Meet or you know whatever other platform people might be using? What should we keep in mind in terms of our communications that we aren't necessarily normally aware of when we communicate with people? All right, well, the first time, the first thing, Sam, is know your platform because I, I also use Zoom. I have the enterprise model. I love it, but WebEx is different. Teams is different. Adobe Connect is different. And so you want to ask the person who is inviting you to a meeting or speaking, what platform do you have? And be prepared. Now, one of the things that is helpful that we didn't have to worry about in the past is having an MC or a moderator now what the, or a producer. So the MC or the moderator is the person who's actually running the meeting, as you know, freeing you to do what you have to do. But the producer is a new role, and that's your tech person who's behind the scenes, who's making sure that everything's seamless. So for example, if anyone's noticing the light changed, my light went out on the break. <laughs> Luckily, I think you can all see me. So those are the kinds of things that can happen, and that producer can help you behind the scenes in that regard. Uh, you know, a few other things. So the, the first thing is be prepared with the platform and always be cognizant that you're on stage. I've seen people who, when they're not speaking during the meeting, they're doing all kinds of things and we can see you on the screen because someone might have it on gallery view. So yeah. don't think you're off the hook. Always act as if the camera is on you. That's yeah. really critical. That, that, that happened to me at a meeting I was on where um, somebody was texting me during the meeting and I was texting them back. And so I was constantly looking down, but to the person running the meeting, he saw me, he thought I was sleeping. Oh. And so he actually like, like chatted to me like, Hey Sam, what's up? But I didn't respond to the chat because I was looking down trying to handle this. And then all of a sudden I got a text from him. I was like, Oh, okay. So, but he thought I was sleeping, <laughs> but I wasn't sleeping. I was texting. And so it's like, you can get caught so easy. You may not think people see what you're doing, but, but they do. And I am so, so guilty of this. I really have to confess that, especially because I am on so many networking events and meetings during the day, that it's so, so difficult to stay focused and concentrated on, on what's going on right in front of you. 
Well, I would say in terms of communication, one of the things we can do to check out without insulting that we couldn't in a live meeting is you can put close your video. And sometimes that I do that if I'm going to the restroom or if I need to check an email or a call, an important call came in, at least it doesn't disrupt and you, you don't have that perception because we all know as communicators, it's not what you intend, it's how the message is received, it's perception. So if your eyes are down, but people thought you were sleeping, that gets out you know, in the company. Oh, you know, Sam was sleeping during the meeting. No, I was, and I was looking down. But that doesn't matter. That was the perception that becomes the narrative. So we need to be very careful about that. So be prepared, know that you're always on stage. And here's the other thing. The talking head is dead. What do you mean by that? All right. So in meetings and panels, people would yammer on, blah, 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 blah. You can't speak for a long time. Notice that we have an interview. We're going back and forth. So you want to check in with your audience. So here's what I mean. Let's say you're the only speaker. You want to break that up because people need change and interaction. So even if it's something as simple like this, I had a friend who said, I want to do a panel on authorship. She was a, an editor. I had, a, my friend had been a new author. So she was coming as that new author. And I was going to talk about how to use speaking to promote your, your book. And I said, we cannot go like you would in a regular situation. It's too long. We've got to keep this short. And you're going to see me interrupting from time to time as the moderator to keep it going. So one of the things that we did is we talked about traditional versus self-publishing. After they finished the point, I said, okay, if you're leaning toward traditional, type a T. If you're leaning toward self-publishing, type an S in the chat box. Now, what does that do? You said earlier about energy. It's all energy. That increases the energy. You can feel it coming across the screen. It's fun. And then you're reading and you're connecting. So that's another big piece, the interaction and the engagement is critical. Right. We've right. heard yeah. this, right? Oh, yeah. how do I engage people? They're not staying right. on the job, right? They're not connected. Engagement is key. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've heard that many, many times now that, that it's like the gold standard is how engaged are people with yeah. you on your, your show, your video, your presentation, whatever it is, um, because the engagement is, is the key. That if people are engaged, you know they're paying attention. If they're not engaged, they might be paying attention, but you don't really know if they're paying attention. Well, especially if their eyes are down, you don't yeah. know. <laughs> exactly. But exactly. seriously, one of the benefits of Zoom is all the tools it gives you and the other platforms as well. So there's no re- rule that says you have to be a talking head. You can put people in breakout rooms, right. just like you did before with the break, mm-hmm. You making use of the chat. This is the old-fashioned show of hands, how many feel A or B. Or you can use the tools they give you, the, the raising of a hand or the yes or the check marks. So there are a lot of fun things that you can do. Right, which I guess goes back to your earlier point of know your platform. Know what tools it has so that you can utilize them and integrate them into whatever you're doing in the moment. Exactly. So I just heard a different a speaker on Teams, and he said one of the things they don't have yet are the breakout rooms of Zoom, but they're working on it. So if that was part of your design, you're going to be in trouble if you're in another platform that doesn't offer that. So right. really, it, the fundamentals are the same. It's different because it's called technology. The medium's different, but same fundamentals. Be prepared. Know your audience. Know your message. Pause 
use your body language, show energy. All yeah. of those things are still true. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Wonderful, Diane. It's time for us to take our last break of the show. When we come back, I want to delve a little bit more into something you mentioned just before about your husband needing a kidney, because I did want to give us a chance to talk about that, because that's a, a, a very interesting challenge, especially in these times. So I really want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with communications and presentations expert, Diane DiResta, and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I'm so pleased that you've stayed with us for this hour. We're talking with Diane DiResta, a communications and presentations expert, author of a knockout, oops, uh, knockout presentations, how to deliver your message with power, punch, and pizzazz, and a friend of mine. And so, Diane, I, I really want to talk about, you mentioned it earlier, um, yes, the, William, one of my loyal listeners, William, says you're now in the light. Yes. <laughs> yes, William. During the break, I started playing, and I think what happened is one of the computers where it was plugged in had low battery, and now it's it's working. So thanks for noticing. And, and uh, loyal listener Patty says, I've learned so much from your guest. I'm new to Zoom. But to keep up with family matters, it's important. She said, you know, she has a court hearing she's got to do via Zoom. So oh, now. see, that's a thing that's, that's Natalie who's speaking? Uh, Patty. Patty. Uh, Patty, that's another thing that's changed because now we have telemedicine. My husband had to do some testing over the, the internet. You are going for your court hearing. And so you need to show up in a certain way. And I don't know if the lawyers are prepared yet because they know how to prepare people when there are hearings. I don't know if they're up to date on how to prepare on a Zoom call, but it'd be interesting. I just thought of another line of business, actually. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Zoom Zoom training for lawyers. For lawyers, yeah. So uh, let's let's talk about your husband. Um, How long ago did, did this kidney trouble start happening? Well, what we've discovered at a few years ago, they discovered he was born with one kidney. It's horseshoe. He didn't know it. It's horseshoe shaped. But technically, he's been on dialysis from 2016 on. He is what's called uh, end-stage renal disease. So stage five is the, the most severe. And he can keep going for dialysis. But what is known is that dialysis is not good for you. It's like cleaning a fish tank. And so his doctor said, even if you got a kidney for two years, that's still better than being on dialysis. So what I did uh, last July, not last month, but July 2019, I did an event in my office for kidney awareness. Now, because of COVID-19, we couldn't do that. So the head of the nonprofit that we're with said, well, we're doing virtual events. I said, great, what we're on. So we did an event on kidney awareness. And what was great about this is there were two people from Pennsylvania. One was a recipient and one was a donor, and they were able to be there, which they would not have been had it been live in New York City. So uh, it was a really fascinating 
event because the head of the nonprofit that we're with talked all about the kidney donation process and how important it is and how seamless it was for this donor. But so anyway, there are two things. Ed, my husband's name is Ed, can either get a kidney from being on a list. We're listed with two hospitals and they're in different regions. You can have, let's say, two in New York and two in New Jersey. So one New York, one New Jersey. Or he can look for a kidney donor. His blood type is O. So what that means is if you're a healthy person and you test out, you would be willing to give your kidney. The nonprofit that we're with supports the donors every step of the way. They're in there in the operating room, not with the doctors, but outside. They mm-hmm. provide some funding. So when you are out of work for those few weeks, they, they provide some monetary assistance and they're there 100% for the donor. So we've done all kinds of things. We had t-shirts that we had made, Ed Needs a Kidney with the email. And we held signs out front of the, in front of the Today Show. We had events virtual and in person. Uh, we had the, the fun, most fun was we did an event in Times Square, we had flashing billboards. So every 15 oh, wow. seconds, these pictures were flashing. So I can actually say I've been on Broadway <laughs> <laughs> and we have still pictures, but again, nothing came of that, but we don't know because here's the deal. When you register with the nonprofit, they're never going to tell you if anyone stepped up because they don't want you to be on the roller coaster ride. And they know that you can really mess things up. So they try to keep everything above board clean and separate. So right now, there could be somebody from the event who said, yes, I'll test. But we wouldn't know about it. Even if they test, they have to be a perfect match. When I say perfect match, they have to match, I think, on three levels. So this is why it's a challenge. Now, Ed has a kidney donation page. I think it's called Kidney Donor for Ed. But he also has a web page, kidneyfored.com. And you can learn more about that. And then I put in the chat box, uh, Sam, the email, which is capital R23881 at renewal.org. I have this memorized. And so if somebody thought, you know, this is something I'd want to do, I thought about it or I never thought about it and I'd like to think about it, that would be the email. And that goes directly to Ed's account. So you don't even know, even need to know his name to say, you know, I want to donate a kidney to Ed and then the renewal, the renewal organization will contact you. So the, you can learn a lot on his Facebook page because he, he posts things about kidney disease and kidney awareness. It's, uh, it's serious. There are thousands and thousands of people who, have, who need kidneys and there's just not enough of a supply. Right. And my hope is that in my lifetime, I would love to either see 3D printed or stem cell yeah. kidneys. And then we wouldn't have this. So thank you for telling, give me the time to talk about Ed and the need for kidney because he's not the only one. It's such a need right now. And then during COVID-19, they had stopped surgeries. So there were a lot of people who couldn't do it. So we're now back on track. Good, good. Yes. I mean, it's something that uh, is one of those things you don't often think about. It's people need organ donors, transplants, all kinds of things that got completely shut down for a while uh, during this pandemic. And now they're doing things, but but there's got to be a backlog and Mm -hmm. and it's kind of difficult. And like you said, to find somebody who matches. So I I posted into the the Facebook video, uh, the website, the Kidney for Ed and the email address. 
Um, and so please, if, if anyone out there, if you know somebody who might be willing to, to do this, we'd really appreciate it. I mean, this is how, you know, you help one person. Uh, you don't have to help the world. Sometimes we feel like, you know, we need to get out there and, you know, help thousands and millions of people. Sometimes just helping one person can make such a huge difference in someone's life. It absolutely does. And again, think of a legacy. You're, you're saving a life. I don't know what greater legacy there is than that. And if, if you share that page, I know there are a lot of people out there who need the information. So kidney donor for Ed or kidneyfored.com is the website. Right. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. You're most welcome, Diane. You're most welcome. A pleasure to be able to, to use my platform to do some a little bit of good in the world. Hopefully. To raise the consciousness. Yes. Yes, exactly. And hopefully, you know, somebody hears it who, you know, maybe they're, they're not the person to donate, but maybe they know somebody who might uh, be interested. So please share. All right, Diane, we're out of time. If people want to get in touch with you for presentation uh, skills and for learning more about what you do, where can they go for that? They can go to my website, deresta.com, and that's D as in David, I-R-E-S as in Sam, T as in Thomas, A.com, Deresta. Or as my friend Bruce Weinstein says, uh, Deresta is besta, or is, yeah. kind of is the besta. So Deresta rhymes with restaurant. Uh, oh, beautiful. Listener Caroline, a friend of mine from South Africa, says, great uh, show today, great session. So, oh, thank you, Caroline. Yeah, so, well, thank you, Diane. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Uh, I, I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see something good come out of this. I have a a great, uh, a great group of people who listen to the show and uh, they've helped me when I've asked for help. So we'll see what, what, what can happen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Sam. You're welcome. So thank you all for tuning in today. Um, next week I have actually, I'm, I'm working on getting a special show. I may have some rather uh, high profile names on the show next week where we're, I'm working with someone to see uh, what's going to happen, but there's an anthology book coming out that has some high name people, high level name people in it in the, in the personal development field. So definitely uh, go and sign up for our newsletter so you can hear all about it at talkradio.nyc. Uh, coming up next, it's of course, uh, uh, Ken Foster and his show, Voices of Courage, uh, followed later today by Antonia with her show, So Now You Know, and this evening, Graham Dobbin with his show, The Mind Behind. Thank you all for tuning in. Take care. We will talk to you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.